0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of the Scobro Show. This is Dave Schofield of the Steel Curtain Network. Yeah, I don't sound the same. I know. I'm uh, I'm struggling a little bit, but I'm still going to be able to get by. But hey, it's Tuesday night. It's just after nine o'clock. Where else would you rather be? And with me as always, except when he's not, is my big brother, Rich. Rich, how you doing?
1: Well, I guess right now, I guess I could say I was breathing in the post, the post, the uh, off uh season since, you know, we now have officially, you know, gotten to the NFL offseason.
0: Yeah. More. Yeah. We're there. We're right. there. So, uh, sorry, I'm going to do my best to power through tonight because, you know, you, you know, I've got something going on with my throat. It's everybody else gets a little tight. You know, that's just how it feels right now. But, uh, I, Brian Anthony Davis had someone ready for us in the bullpen just in case I couldn't go tonight, in case I couldn't regain enough of my voice. And I'm like, you know what? Rather than me have to talk too much, which is tough for me to try to not do, let's just go ahead and let's do this as a triumphant trio tonight. And uh, that way I can do some less talking. And, and, you know, unlike some of our articles Behind the Steel Curtain, com your one-stop shop for all the Pittsburgh Steelers. I probably have a word count tonight. I probably have a word limit, and I'm just going to lose it. So, ready to jump in and take over and be with us is the honorary Scobro himself. We have one Daniel J. State of the Steelers. Daniel, how's it going tonight?
2: It's going well. It's going well, gentlemen. I've had a, it was a fantastic day. Happy uh, Happy uh, Valentine's Day to everybody, and especially the ladies out there. Uh, me and the wife had a great meal today, so it's been a it's been an awesome day. How about yourselves, um, Rich? Um, it's
1: <laughs> been a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't do. We, That's I'm here tonight.
0: I'm I'm approaching my 20th anniversary. Uh, we don't do Valentine's Day anymore. <laughs> it's just it's just what it is. We've just kind of been like, yeah. I mean, we do stuff for our kids instead. Just because it's fun, and we can, Um with, with, with all that. Oh, I was the Dan, Daniel, Rich. You, you guys kind of threw me for a loop. I didn't get the memo that the that, that it was backward hat night.
1: Backward hat night. Yeah.
0: So maybe the people that can actually speak well are the ones that get to do the backwards hat, and the guy that has to power through it. Um, I got to keep my distance from the microphone anyway, and the bill allows me to do that. So. Before we dive into the offensive line, we have to briefly talk about. We don't have to talk about news. Steelers update podcast comes out every morning. You can catch your Steelers news there. But what we're going to just before we get into that, just a little bit of tidbits from the Super Bowl. We'll we'll start with Rich. Rich, how much
1: did you watch? Believe it or not, I watched the entire Super Bowl. Yes.
0: Halftime show.
1: No, nah, I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, during the halftime show, it was uh, well. Actually, by that point in time, you—I ha- was—I um, was actually listening to music at that mm-hmm. by that point in time, um, because as the news had come out on Sunday that one of the, I guess, I, 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 one of the performers in my. Favorite rap group growing up, one Trugoy the Dove, aka Plug Two, aka Dave Jossler, passed away on Sunday, and so I was listening to music.
0: And that's from uh, De La Soul. For those De of you La that Soul. do not know uh, what group that was from, yeah, I'm unfortunately I sent that message on to you. I didn't know if you had heard that or not, but uh, but you watched it, Daniel. Did you watch? Do you take in the Super Bowl or is it uh, no Steelers? I don't care.
2: I did watch majority of it. Uh, I, I, I was had in the background while I was also doing some work, so I was watching. I got to see the the highlights and, and the majority of what had occurred. It was it was a good. It was highly entertaining. It, the The ending kind of kind of stank, but it was highly entertaining <clears throat> for the most part.
0: Yes, and I watched the Super Bowl once again this year with my parents. They came to visit, so my brother didn't have to deal with them, and. Uh, <clears throat> The way things are with our dads, is a little interesting. I'm going to use up some of my voice to make sure I tell a couple things. But one of the things that happened early in the game in the first half, there was a play in which it looked like Juju Smith-Schuster got hooked by the defender, and they didn't call the penalty. And my dad asked me, "Was that a penalty, or would, or do you think they're being crazy?" I'm like, I'm like, I'm okay that they didn't call it, and I wouldn't be upset if they did call it. The only thing I want to see now is that they don't call something like that the rest of the game or in a key moment. And what do you know? Because I said it, that's kind of what happened. And I, I don't have a problem, you know, by the letter of the law, that, that penalty, you could call that there at the end. I still thought it was kind of weak, even if they were calling the game really tight the whole game. Um, and honestly, I don't know that it would have decided the game. It would have changed how it would have played out at the end. I would have liked to seen how that played out at the end, just um, that it wasn't based on the penalty. Um, what What do you guys think about that? Uh, that that remember it was holding, not pass interference. We'll go ahead and start yeah. with Rich.
1: Hey, look, I know exactly which play you were talking about, where Dad brought that up. Believe it or not, because mm-hmm. I thought the same thing on that play. I was like, oh, they could have called that. They didn't. Okay. Here's my whole take on then how that all ended up playing out. I always I always say this. When I was coaching baseball, if I ever got on an umpire, it was because the strike zone would change. I'd say, look, if it was a strike in the first inning, it's a strike in the last inning. If it was yep. a ball in the first inning, it's a ball in the last inning. So I don't care how the, the officials wanted to make that call during that game. What bothered me was that it changed. You yeah. cannot change the way you call the game during the game. You have to decide what's acceptable and what's not. And once you've drawn that line, you have to stick with it. And yeah. that was my issue. They didn't stick with it.
0: Exactly. And, I mean, I, I didn't like it in that moment. But at the same time, all the Eagles had to do was stop them one time in the second half. Get one sack in the whole game, and it might make a difference. You know, led the NFL in sacks, and they had none. Dan- Daniel, what do you think of that that call or how it ultimately affected stuff.
2: Yeah. I felt that it, um, was it the right call? Probably it was a little ticky tacky for me, you know, in in the biggest game of the year. And at the largest moment, I think you let the players play. It wasn't, it wasn't flagrant. It wasn't something that you could obviously see. Uh, so I felt that it kind of, you know, not just cheated out the Eagles for an opportunity to go down the field and tie or win the game, but also, you know, of uh, the fans of the NFL to watch uh, an exciting ending to to a Super Bowl that was exciting, and now is going to be known for that play more than what happened the rest of the game.
0: Yeah, that's it, it's the cloud that hangs over because of it. Um, As someone who used to umpire slow pitch softball, I'll be honest with you: how the game, who's winning and who's losing, sometimes I. To me, it, it affected how I would call the game. If there's a bang-bang play and one team's getting beat pretty bad, they're probably going to get a call. I'd, I I'd put something on Twitter that as this game goes on, anytime time – who I don't trust is New York. I don't trust the officials in New York. I think they have an agenda. Not for one team to win. I think their agenda is to keep the games competitive as long as possible. Uh, I feel that the catch that was taken away down the sidelines at the end of the first half was to keep the Eagles from getting too far ahead. And I also – I'm, I'm going to throw this one out here. This is crazy. I'm I'm just saying it's something to think about. I'm not saying it's definite. Same with the other one. It's just something to think about. If it would have still been a 10-point game on that very, very close catch and fumble or incomplete pass that was returned for as a, for a touchdown – I, I think if it's a 2 store, two score game and instead of changing the lead, I don't think they overturn it. I think yeah, they let it stand.
1: I, I agree with that. I, I have a feeling that, that that the score of the game played into what they decided to do there.
0: And I think it was ultimately the right call, but my question is wow, if the Eagles would have been up ten or fourteen or seventeen, would they have let it would the call have been different? And and, and the thing is it shouldn't be. So we don't know. We can't say that for sure. But um, one one little quick thing before we move on from this, because Rich will appreciate this story, is you know how our father gets. He knows for sure exactly what's going to happen at what point, and I still know. He said, "Turn off the lights. The party's over." As soon as New England went down twenty-eight to three, you know, he's like, "We could change the channel," you know, and he likes to. Tell us. So I wasn't having any of that this time. I decided I was going to take it right back to him. The Chiefs score. The touchdown and go up eight points. And guess what? Our father says, Rich,
1: turn out the lights.
0: Yeah. Oh, seven. this is over. It's done. I turned to him and said, You're dead wrong. I guarantee you the Eagles will score and get the two point conversion and tie this game on this possession.
1: I'll oh, see. I'd have bet him my other box.
0: And, and, I, and I, of course, I called it. But as soon as they scored, I also turned to my dad. I said, The question isn't if the Chiefs will score. The question will be will there be any time left on the clock for the Eagles? Yep. Now was with five minutes. And that's exactly what, and that's how it played out. I'm not saying that I called anything great. I was just trying to call my dad's bluff and actually hit it right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys ready to talk offensive line?
2: Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well,
0: Let's let me get you guys set up so I don't have to talk as much. Last year, now for Daniel, you follow along so you know. I'll remind everyone else since this is the transition show of the week, we we talk about you know, we, we talk about the last game and the next game. So, for this part, what we're doing going through these position groups in the offseason, we're talking about last year and then we roll it to this year. Last year, the Steelers, when it comes to their offensive line, the way they built it was this they signed one of their own back in Chooks of Gore for. They added two significant free agents in Daniels and Cole, and they rolled with three guys on rookie contracts for two jobs in Green, Dotson, and more. Are you satisfied? I, mean, I didn't think the Steelers could fix the offensive line in one offseason. Are you satisfied with what they did last year as, as a step in the right direction? I'm going to start with Daniel this time.
2: I actually am. I think that when you look at how poorly they played the year prior and and you're looking at not just those pieces on the offensive line being new, but also a new offensive line coach and and Pat Meyer. So there was a new scheme, um, new new quarterback. So the offensive game plan was going to be completely different. And you look at how they progressed throughout the entire season and how their running game developed, you know, some of that. You know, could have been also due to the fact that early on was Najee Harris maybe limited due to injury and being injured during training camp. But also I felt that the offensive line um being new to each other had something to do with that. And we saw as the year progressed, both Najee got healthy and the offensive line gained more chemistry. It started to it started to look like something that the uh, the Steelers possibly had an identity there at the end as a running team. And so I really did like the offensive line and how they progressed and what they did. I do think that there's still more work to be done. I don't think that they're, they're done yet. Um, but I do think, especially with Daniels and, and Cole there, that those were some pivotal pieces to add be added to this offensive line.
0: All right, Rich, what what's your thoughts on how they built it last year and how how did it help in the in the overall progression to completely do the rebuild
1: yep um you know if you if we were having this discussion back in the first five weeks of the season i wouldn't have been a happy camper because early in the season the offensive line was offensive especially the preseason the preseason I mean, they, was the worst they they, they were <clears throat> it was it was not it wasn't you know, it, it wasn't totally horrible play, but it was inconsistent. It was, you know, some, you could see real breakdowns, Um, but you kept, I kept noticing even early on, like week to week, you know, something that was glaring one week was not there the next, mm-hmm. and then, and, but something else would be said, something else, you know, but really we we get through the bye and into that second part of the season and I'll tell you the, the group came to, together a lot better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, are they done? You know, no. But well, we'll get they, there. Yeah, <laughs> right. <You laughs> we'll get to
0: that question.
1: I know, but <laughs> but honestly, at the at the end of the season, I was pretty confident in what we were going to see for offensive line play you know it, it, it was you know i i wasn't expecting to see all some of those real negative plays that we were seeing from them early in the season where you would see one here or there in a game it wasn't they weren't stacked up um and i think the biggest thing that then made that evident was the fact that Steelers were able to put together and sustain a lot of long drives in the second half of the season
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because, the, uh, because the line wasn't making some of those mistakes.
0: Yeah, I'll say for me, I expected the line to be atrocious the first couple of weeks. It's not that they were great. It's just they weren't as bad as I expected them to be, which made me think they were all right, if, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Do you guys know what I mean? So that's that was my expectation going in because the preseason – I mean, one example is James Daniels. I mean, my goodness, he had he, – he struggled so bad through the preseason. But I don't know if it was the extra two weeks before the first game. He gave up zero sacks and three quarterback hits and never missed a snap. I mean, granted, he's at guard, which isn't quite as much pressure on you with the pass rushers as you get a tackle, but that's still pretty good against some of the matchups he's had to go, go against throughout the year. So to me, I think they made a significant step from last year to this year. So the big question now is, and once again, I'll start with Daniel – how much of how much of a step next year comes via new personnel or simply the guys they have getting better?
2: Well, I, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers want to add on to this offensive line, so I think there's going to be some new personnel there that's going to be added. Uh, the Steelers usually like to have an interior offensive lineman that is. Um, mobile that can move kendrick green was supposed to be that Marquise pouncey replacement that was able to get downfield get in front of screens and things of that nature in a timely manner and right now i don't feel like we have that on the team right now i think that's a lot of the reasons why we have illegal you know offensive line down the fields because they're not athletic enough to get into position and they're having to leave early and so you know dodson's been a guy that the steelers have kind of picked on in the last couple of years uh, I think that that left guard position is going to be opened up for somebody else that's going to be coming in that can do those things, can be mobile, can pull. And uh, that's what I'm excited to see and to see what this offense can do once they have that.
0: Yeah, I I think you got a great point there and uh Rich, so is it is it working on the guys they have getting better? Is it is it adding more pieces to it, you know, potential starters? What wh- where where do they head now?
1: They do both. Okay, first of all, everybody that was, that was on that line this year has to be better next year. Uh-huh. But I do expect to see the Steelers attempt to make an upgrade oh. in at least one, if not two, offensive line positions. And how how do you expect that upgrade to come? Um, At least one of them will be a draft pick. Okay. Um, The other one may come via free agency. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I expect one of those, I I, I really expect to see one position upgrade. Mm -hmm. So I do, you know, but I also expect that, that you might not necessarily see two. We may go into camp thinking we're going to see potentially see two, but we may not end up seeing two. Okay, okay, meaning meaning someone who we think we may be getting an upgrade on upgrades themselves and holds on to a spot. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay, so so I I think I think you know, I'm leaning towards in the end, there'll be there'll be at least one upgrade, maybe two. If it's not two, it's not because the Steelers didn't look thinking they might get an upgrade. It's that someone did, you know, someone that was currently there did some upgrading on their own and made it tough for the coaches to pull them off the line.
0: Gotcha. So um, the biggest thing I think with the Steelers line this past year was the continuity and the health. Is there any way either one of you can see a, a repeat of that, or do you think the Steelers? One of the reasons their line got by last year was because they didn't have to test the depth, and that the Steelers would be foolish to 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 have that kind of situation. Well, I don't even know how bad the situation was. We never saw Jesse Davis play. Uh, Trent Scott, you only saw him as the as the jumbo guy, and and Asenauer came in a little bit, and Green was inactive. First player ever for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be inactive for 17 regular season games. So if you look at that, I can, to me, I almost feel like there's no way the Steelers can do that again next year. It's just one of those things that that they happened to 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 catch a really good break, and because you caught it last year, you almost have to plan on not having it this year. Do you think I'm crazy? I'll go ahead and let Daniel answer first.
2: No, I don't. I think that it's quite logical to think that there's a possibility of injury, especially in such a physical, aggressive sport that the uh, you know the NFL and football isn't in general. And so, these are guys that are physical and hitting people and every snap that they're on the, on the field. So, to think that there isn't going to be an injury after the year that they've had, uh, where there really wasn't much um, outside of you know what they could play through. Uh, I think that would be naive to not plan for. And also, I think another factor is is the fact that early on last season, the offense wasn't on the field as much. I expect this team to have an offense that is going to be, uh, you know, keeping drives going, things of that nature. And so they're going to have more snaps and more plays to be on the field that thus the likeliness of injury to increase as well.
0: Gotcha. Um... Let's see, I was going to kind of rephrase it a little bit different for 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 Rich. Um, do you think the Steelers would have been exposed if if there would have been an injury, or I mean, would a coulda shoulda, or, we, or we, what do you think?
1: We don't know. Yeah, we. I mean, we just didn't see enough of anybody else to know for sure. Yeah, you know, what I would say though about it, the Steelers coming back, you know and and being able to go through next year, you know, keeping the offensive line playing, you know, the number of snaps together that they did, you know, I'd say those chances are pretty small because, you know, be it, being a math type person, I'd say your chances of getting through a season that way are somewhere between, you know, maybe, I don't know, 12 to 18%. Well, the Steelers just hit a year where they hit that 12 to 18%. The chances of doing that two years in a row are tremendously, tremendously small. So I don't know if the guys they had on the roster last year were guys that could have stepped up and filled those gaps real well or not. All I know is that as an organization, they better be prepared to do it this year because getting another year like this past year is going to be almost impossible to do.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of the point I was making. Is, is it uh, like the Steelers didn't draft an offensive lineman last year, so they, you know, they 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 added guys via free agency, even when you're or trade, even when you're talking about look at your, look at two of your three reserve guys that were in uniform every week, in in Trent Scott and Jesse Davis. One was one was just signed as a. You know, it was a veteran minimum free agent. And the other was acquired via trade for a swap of super late round draft picks in two years or something, you know, or next year or something, not even this draft. Um, and that's what they did for their depth. And, it re- and, and I'm glad that you didn't have to see what it was because the Steelers offensive line could have possibly been one injury away from really having trouble. And I think that's one thing that is going to be really important for them To make sure that they cover this offseason. Now, I'm powering through. The voice is still holding up for now. We're going to go ahead and take a break because I've got some interesting things I just want to ask about last year versus this year coming up. Um, So if you're with us here on YouTube or Facebook, we'll be back in a couple seconds. If you're on the audio, stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, Steelers fans, here we go. We're talking offensive line. This is Dave Schofield. I know it doesn't sound like me. Maybe it still does, but I definitely sound different. Uh, I'm fighting through. I'm trying to keep my voice. Uh, These guys are doing a great job. Daniel Daniel J is hanging out with us as the honorary Scobro because it just is keeping me from talking too 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 much. I just talk too much
1: instead. So it's really helping out. You guys doing good? We're 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 doing all right. Yes, sir. We're we're talking Steelers. We're talking offensive line. Yeah, we're in the trenches. Okay, Let's
0: do it. So here's my first thing. Now I know some people as soon as they hear the the letters PFF, they want to roll their eyes and go away. and and I get it. I, I understand that. I look at PFF as just not as an end all be- all, but as somebody else that has an opinion. You read the Steelers Beat writers and they have an opinion about something. you you read stuff that behind the Steel Curtain, we've got opinions on stuff. You listen to other podcasts, they've got it, everyone's got an opinion. Well, PFF, all their stuff is is an opinion. They're for they're forming an opinion based on what they see, but they but they do it as a well-informed opinion because they look at every player on every play. So it's not for lack of trying, but it still doesn't mean they're right. It's an opinion. But based on their opinion, can, well, can, can we say that we believe the Steelers' offensive line got better in the second half after the bye? Oh, yeah. I would that agree. they continue to grow. Agree. Okay. So here's my question. According to PFF, and I'm throwing Trent Scott out because he only played a couple jumbo plays. Not counting him. Out of the five starters, who had the highest PFF grade over the last nine games for the Pittsburgh Steelers
2: on the offensive line? I'm going to guess James Daniels. I'm not entirely sure, but
1: I'm going to guess that. I'm going to guess core for it.
2: And
0: the answer would be Dan Moore Jr. Really? Okay. He actually, you know, had a, you know, a a decent second half that some people, you know, kind of missed out on the penalties were, you know, sometimes a concern. He had three accepted penalties. It still wasn't many as Dotson. You know, there was only one person in the NFL that had more penalties caught on them last year than Kevin Dotson. Um, and I can't remember who the player was anyway. Um, it might've been Dickerson for the Eagles, but I can't remember. I can't say he might've been who he was tied with. I can't remember, but, um, but 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 that's that's here. so that some people hear that they're like, well, that just shows what PFF is what no they're doing. The thing is, Dan Moore Junior. I think showed the most improvement last year because he had he's the youngest guy to improve. Yep. So to me, if anyone has the chance to improve the most for next year, it's him. But I'm not banking on that to a point where I'm not having an answer that could be better at that position. Um, now, the best, the highest graded pass blocker over the last half of the season, that was Kevin Dotson. But the problem with Kevin Dotson is just uh, consistency. Uh, Je- Jeffrey Benedict's outlined this a couple times with his stuff, and sometimes his consistency is based on, you know, what style we we'll run. Are they running an inside zone versus an outside zone? Things, and you know, what they're asking him to do on stuff. That he actually his consistency really is kind of based on what they're doing play by play. It's not that it's just terrible in random spots. It's that oh, it's an outside zone. Dots is not going to do as well. It, it, it's kind of kind of one of those things. Um, so, so so that's that's the Steelers' offensive line. I think we kind of have a consensus that that if if you're going to be looking at upgrading that the left side is where you're looking either you disagree no
2: uh, i would i would agree to to an extent i okay. think that cheeks core 4 is a uh, is a possibility mm-hmm. for getting replaced on the right side
0: but where we okay so let's do it by position let, let let let's go let's put them in order i'm going to put you guys on the spot i already got mine in my head so i'll go last What is your if you had to, if you were, if you got, if you were able to upgrade everybody as a possibility, what order would you take your upgrade by position? You know, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. What would you upgrade? Go one, two, three, four, five. Uh, Rich, we'll start with you if you're ready. What order would would you upgrade them first to last?
1: Um. Left guard, left tackle, center, right tackle, right guard.
0: Okay. Daniel, is yours similar or what would yours be?
2: It, it, it it's very similar. I, yeah. I would say left guard first. And then well, actually, I would you see left tackle to me is probably one of the biggest important positions on okay. the offensive line. So it makes you look in that direction. However, I'd say that Dan Moore is playing better at the left tackle position than chooks Coreforce playing at the right tackle position. However, Dan Moore is, you know, being more magnified because of his position on the offensive line. And mm-hmm. so I think he's not that bad given his age as well and his trajectory there where he's going, but that is probably one of the more glaring needs. You know, if the Pittsburgh Steelers have a left tackle that falls to them in the draft, I think they got to get up, you know, nag them and, and do something else with Moore. But I would, I would probably go left guard, left tackle, right tackle, right guard, center. Wow. No, wait, you no, know what? I'm sorry. Center, right guard. Center, right guard. Okay, there you go.
0: <clears throat> well, I'll tell you, Rich stole my answer uh, because it was a good one, um, and it was Sherry's answer as well, which was left guard, left tackle, center, right tackle, right guard. Now, I don't have it. I like Mason Cole. I really do. There are limits to what he can do. Yeah. Um, he raised the floor of center play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he raised it higher than I expected. I talked about this last offseason when they brought him in. I said he raised the floor. I said if someone like Kendrick Green or J.C. Hatzenauer plays so well that they beat out Mason Cole, they're going to have to play that good because Mason Cole is going to give you a certain level of play. And he gave it he gave it higher than I expected. So, um, But I still don't know that he can do everything that the Pittsburgh Steelers like to have a center do. So it's not, I don't think anyone on the line is is, is definitely, the, the, I mean, who wouldn't upgrade their offensive line across the board if you could? The question is, how easy is it to actually upgrade it? And I do find it very interesting, we all put right guard last. Mm-hmm. So we're all talking about James Daniels. And here's the thing, I still think if James Daniels would have gone down last year, Dotson would have popped over to right and they would have put Jesse Davis or J.C. Hassan at left. That's just my thought. Um, would have been interesting to see. You know, Dotson did well at right guard in his rookie season, um, and maybe he would have been a little bit more consistent. I don't know. I, I think they might have tried it. We'll never know because, luckily, James Daniels played every snap last year. So I, I still think that Kevin Dotson, if he could just – Get consistent.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, look, we were we were upset again in in the Cleveland Browns game in the postseason that Matt Filer came back and they played Filer over Dotson because his rookie season because Dotson was that he was playing that well, but now we're like,
1: yeah, we need somebody else. <laughs> I mean, do you guys you know what I'm saying with that? Yeah, Rich. but Dave, you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about him earlier. It's consistency. Yeah. And it's, I don't want to say, it's it's effort. And not effort every play. It's consistency yeah. and effort, <clears throat> right? Like, you can't, if you're an offensive lineman, you can't take a play off.
0: Yeah. To me,
1: he, it's, sometimes it's, that it's it not taking like it off physically. Off.
0: It's taking it off mentally.
1: And, <clears throat> uh, you know, I said this after Kyle, Kyle and I were up at training camp, you know, and seeing that guy. That guy, I mean, he's huge. Mm-hmm. He, he is a physical specimen. And you look at him and you wow. just think, that dude's a guard. Mm-hmm. And he has plays where you look at the play and you're like, that dude's all world. Mm -hmm. And then he has other plays where you're like, who's this schmuck? Yeah. And to me, that's the frustrating part. That's why it went from upset they started Filer to now wondering if you don't need an upgrade. And it's because you never know from play to play which guy's going to Come off the line,
2: Daniel. Any thoughts on that? No, I agree. You know, there's he's when it comes to Dotson. There's been a lot of, uh, I guess, rumors or speculation that's come out from beat reporters about how the coaching staff wasn't uh, appreciative of you know him coming back into uh, what was it? Uh, not this season, but last season. Uh, he wasn't in condition. I think everybody thought it was a physical condition, but it I don't think it being- was physical. It was a mental type of thing. And mm-hmm. then he ended up getting injured. And then it comes out later that he's not resting and, and uh, properly only taking naps, not getting the massages, the uh, the acupuncture, and the, the, all the other stuff that, you know, NFL players should be doing to, to recuperate their body. And it's just kind of like he's just winging it, you know, um, going out there. And, and this season, I think he did do better. But, you know, the penalties were huge. Uh, there are times where he looks like he's lost and he's going in the wrong direction or covering the wrong guy. And it, it, there are some, some big glaring, you know, problems there to the point where it really felt like Mike Tomlin was considering starting Kendrick green over him this season. There was a, there was a position battle there for left, left guard there in, in training camp. And th- there should have never been, that should you have know. not been a battle. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a huge concern for the Steelers. Is is the
0: key word for Dotson complacency? Meaning, he's been so good and so, so more physically dominating than any than people that he would played against. You know, through probably from from Pop Warner all the way up through college, where the reports were in college. You know, he was just so strong he would. He'd tell the other the defense where they're running the ball and just dare him to stop it because he was going to move him out of the way. Right. You can, you know, sometimes you people are just so talented, you know, naturally gifted with the right size and strength and ability that you didn't have to put in the overabundance of work to to play at the high level in the NFL. To me, it sounds like Dotson is still trying to be good enough just on his ability alone and not necessarily on on the work ethic that it takes to be a high caliber NFL offensive lineman rich you think that's fair
1: I think that's fair I think that's fair yeah you know he I, I, don't, I don't know maybe the word I need to Put out there that he, you know, he needs to he needs to mature and grow Mm -hmm. up a little bit when it comes to being an NFL lineman. Yeah, because it's not the same as when he was playing in college. No, it's not. No, it's not. We'll see. And
0: and that's and you know and that's so frustrating because, Rich hashtag Pay Kyle. Your son knows this more than anyone. You know, sometimes you have the heart to do it, but you just don't always have the ability. And then you look at those guys that have the ability, and you're like, why can't you just have the
1: heart? Well, you said it, so I'm going to bring it up. Steeler Freak said, too bad that they can't put Spillane's heart in Dotson.
0: That's a really good point. It's a really great point. That's a good point. Exactly. And I think that's what is, and that's the thing with Kevin Dotson. For all we know, he could have got the taste of what it was like this year. And he's just gonna beast it up in the offseason. Not just pull cars with with you know down the road where you where you see that uh when he was drafted, but actually put in what you have to do to your to your body and your mind to play the game where he plays it. So that's the
1: thing. Here's what Go I ahead, love the team to see him do. I would love to hit to see him not be satisfied with just achieving. Yes. I would like to see him try to overachieve himself. Yeah. He sounds like
0: me when it came to academics in college. My freshman year of college, I actually thought I was working hard. And I was putting in the time to study and, do, and doing my work thoroughly. By the time I got to my senior year, I look back at my freshman year, I'm like – how in the world did I think I was putting forth any kind of effort? I now know what it takes to do to do what I need to do to be successful in, in, in the major that I was doing that, man, oh, man, I, I, I'm i like, I would have aced those classes if I just would have put in that kind of effort behind it. And, and sometimes that's just what it takes. Dan, uh, Dan, you want to chime in with anything with uh, thoughts about that when it comes
2: to Dotson? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think he's – I'm hoping that, he, you know, that ends up being the case where he gets a taste of, you know, some success and wants to be a little bit more consistent and and, and push forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Steelers are going to, you know, uh, kind of make that motivation by bringing somebody else in and motivating him to be that better player. And that's the best thing that the Steelers mm-hmm. can do is bring competition because competition is going to make, you know, everybody better. It's going to make uh, Ken, uh, Dotson better. It's going to bring whoever – the Steelers bring in better and overall that's the, the end in goal. And so, um, yeah, I think that that ends up being the case, Um but you know, he is a fantastic talent. He has all the ability and potential in the world, it, but it's not what you're, you know, it's a, you're able to do. It's what you're willing to do. And, you know, he needs to put up yeah. and, and put that forward. Yeah, you're
0: exactly right. And see, that's the thing to me. If I look at the Steelers, Offensive line, there's potential that Kevin Dotson could come in and be fantastic next year if he could put that together. If Dan Moore Jr. takes a takes takes more of a step as a young fourth round draft pick who was really a developmental tackle that got that started playing right away, he could be so much better next year. But you know what? If the Steelers bank on that, they're probably going to be in trouble. Yeah because you can't bank on that. You have to go with what they were and not what they potentially could be. If they, if they end up being that, then guess what? You're just in that much better shape. You know, I said the same thing last year about Kendrick green. And I still thought it was a huge mistake for him to try to play guard because I don't think he, I don't think he has the, the, I don't think he has the tangibles to play guard. And he proved he didn't have the intangibles to play center. Now, Maybe a year of study or two could make him play center. But I don't even know if he was studying to play center last year. We know nothing about him. He is such an afterthought in my mind. There's no reason to cut him before camp. But you know, unless he comes out comes out and blows people out of the water, I'm not even. I'm probably not even when I have to do my 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 first 53 man roster prediction, which probably comes after the draft. Um, I'm probably not going to put him on the 53 man roster. He's got to he's got to come out and, and, and blow someone away to do that you know just blow our mind with how well he's playing. So, but you have those those potential and if you count on that potential you're going to be in trouble. So therefore you got to go out and do some other things. Yep. Prime example. I do the mock draft, Monday article every Monday at barnsstillcurrent.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Um but Rich hates mock drafts. I
1: hate He mock despises drafts.
0: mock drafts. But this one was—I I did this one because I don't know that this player would ever be there at seventeen again. Someone mentioned him way earlier in the live chat, and so I so I outlined this player, and it was—I'm going to mess up the first name. Pretty sure it's Peter um, Skoronsky. the tackle, possibly moving inside to guard, from Northwestern, very high football IQ, might not have the length. Um, that, that they think would be that would work as well for tackle, but maybe he does just because just because he does. remember Dan Moore jr. had the best length of any tackle coming out that in that that draft, but he was fourth round. Um, and I looked at that and I'm like, if the Steelers have the right offensive lineman there for them to pick in the first round, would either of you be opposed of the Steelers taking an offensive lineman in the first round? not reaching for one, not 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 making sure they take one. But if the right guy is there that you didn't expect, like David DeCastro was in 2012, are you on board for the Steelers spending that topic on the offensive line? Do you care Yeah, I, first.
2: I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I yeah I, that. I'm actually thinking I would actually be more surprised if the Steelers didn't go trenches in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that uh, that's where the Steelers need to to go. There's there's another stat that PFF have put out there. It was a graph, uh, a couple of them, and it talked about the, the tackles left on islands. And there was only th- two other teams, the Raiders and the Dolphins, that protected their tackles more than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so, mm-hmm. you know, in my opinion, if you don't need to protect your tackles as much with your tight ends and stuff, you can probably develop some more passing concepts down the field with your tight ends and, and your, 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 your running backs and things of that nature. And then alongside with that was another one where it was the NFL tackles island rate versus, you know, how long that they were left on an island. And, you know, for was left on an island uh, not very often, and his win rate wasn't very high up there. And so they needed to protect Chooks more than Dan Moore. And Dan Moore was just slightly better, wasn't a huge jump or any of those things. But uh, both of those guys were in the middle of the pack. I expect that perhaps they need to get somebody high – you know, that pedigree in there on the offensive line and get, you know, somebody that they can, uh, you know, one of their own. So I would be more surprised if the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't go with a tackle or a guard in the first round.
1: Rich. Um, I'm not going to be unhappy if they go offensive line in the first round at all. Again, don't stretch. Don't reach. Don't take a guy at 17 that you can get at 32,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, yeah, because you've got pick 32. Yeah. You know, as long as they don't do anything like that, I'm fine. I'm also, you know, but I also wouldn't be surprised because, again, they've got pick 32, which to me says they basically have two first round picks. Uh Okay. So maybe pick 17 isn't that offensive line, but pick 32 is. I still, you know, the only thing the Steelers aren't getting out of that pick 32 is being able to pick up a fifth-year option.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, in my opinion, by having pick 32, it really allows you to not have to focus more on a, a smaller set of positions that you would have otherwise. I think you're rolling positions out. I think there's positions that you don't have to have in the first round. Some people would put edges that they could have it. I'm like, I don't know that they have to have an edge in round one unless they're, they are un, unsure about keeping high Smith. I don't think you go quarterback round one. I don't think it's wise to take a quarterback in the teens or 20 back-to-back years, especially when the one you seem to be satisfied with. That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to take a running back in round one. When you have Najee Harris, you have Jalen Warren, and running I mean, back is tough to take in round one, even if you really need one. I still say I was okay when the Steelers drafted Najee Harris in the first round, based on the way the draft fell out. And what would have been really interesting, I kept saying, everyone said it's going to be Najee Harris, it's going to be Najee Harris. The way that draft fell out, if Christian Barrymore falls one more spot, because he went right before the Steelers picked when he went to Minnesota, I would have been upset if they went with Harris over Barrymore. Because you, when you have an offensive lineman that you can't get at that spot, that shouldn't be there, you take him. I, I keep saying David DeCastro over and over and over again. Because it's, it's, it, that's what, that's the type of pick I want the Steelers to have. And it might even, and it doesn't have to be an offensive line. Let's say, let's say it's a corner or a safety or, or a, I hope it's not a wide receiver. I mean, it could be, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not banking that. But a player that you really didn't think you were going to have at 17 that you're just saying, we can't pass this up. That's a Barrymore at so. I, yeah. where'd Barrymore come from i the, my no my yeah who you're
1: talking about yeah
0: but, my um, I don't even know who that mean, is Christian dareaw
1: yeah I mean <laughs> kind of like you know every time you bring up stuff like this I go back to the, you know the Steelers drafting Ben Roethlisberger. I mean they had to the draft Ben Roethlisberger that year there's mm-hmm. no way he should yeah. have fell to them at 13. Yeah. couldn't believe he was there at 13. they were like well you know We could use a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, you know, like you said, if there's a corner or something like that that you just can't believe is still sitting there, yeah, Mm -hmm. then you do it.
0: And, and Rich, I hate to do this because this is the first time you've done this in the show. It was 11, not 13. (laughs) But Uh, I I just called him Barrymore, not Daresaw. But it's not a steal. It's not a player on the Steelers. And the voice is really starting to go. So, anything else you want to say about the line before the big question? Um, Oh, I'm going to ask this one. We can kind of do this one quick. Is that a position that you see the Steelers investing in a, I I would say in more of a high priority free agent this year. Do you see them going big or do you just see them adding depth pieces in free agency when it comes to the offensive line? Or do you think it's really more the draft that you want to see it? We'll start with Daniel.
2: I would prefer the draft for the offensive line, uh, especially if you're doing a, t- a tackle. Those can be expensive in free agent and free agency. And also, there's just so many needs uh, on uh, for this team free agency wise goes. Middle linebacker is going to be a probably a position that you want to attack in free agency. That's going to be a pretty penny. Um, you know, you have the the defensive line that can come in the draft. That could be free agency. Uh, corners. there's been some rumors speculating about different corners that the Steelers are, are rumored to talk about. But, you know, so in my opinion, I would, I would, I would hope and prefer that the offensive line gets, uh, you know, somebody in the draft. I think that the guys that they have right now, even if those guys aren't ready yet week one, we have a core five guys that can go in week one and be, you know, you know, do the job until whoever it is that they do draft is ready to take over. Um, You know, and that's the that's the route I would like to see them go through the draft when it comes to this. Rich,
1: Um, tackle do not go after in free agency. Tackle has would have to be addressed in the draft. Guard, you might be able to to potentially get some sort of upgrade in free agency that doesn't cost you too too much. Um, You know, you you could shop around other places on the line, but really tackle, I think you'd have to look at the draft.
0: Yeah, I, I don't see the Steelers investing big money in the offensive line in free agency. Um, I, I, I just don't know that that's where they need to do it. I do think because they haven't they haven't invested the key capital in the offensive line through the draft for so long, and they need to. Um, because honestly, that's going to allow you to, especially if you're you're paying Chooks, you're paying Daniels, Cole's not so bad. If you're really going to want to build your line. You've got to have guys that are a little bit cheaper. Um, so let's let's get to our final question. We don't have a lot of time. Rich is going to read them because I don't have a much of a voice still. But this is the question. You're, you're gonna and remember, remember the rules. Don't put your don't put your answer in there until I type it in there, and then we'll read it for everyone. Because we're gonna let both Daniel and Rich answer this um and myself. And that is this: the Pittsburgh Steelers had five offensive linemen start every game last year, looking at those five players. And then we roll into 2023. You don't have to say who I don't want who I only want a number. How many of those five are the starters on the Steelers offensive line for the start of the 2023 season? We'll start with
2: Daniel. Well, I think that that's going to depend. Um, if, if, if an offensive lineman is drafted in the first round at seventeen, I think that that's going to be four. If an offensive lineman is drafted at thirty-two or past, I think the answer to that is five. Okay, that's so it. you got to pick one. Uh, I'll say, I'll say four.
1: Okay, Rich. All right, um, four. That was that was my answer when.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my answer too, but I couldn't tell you which position. You know, I, I really don't. I, I think something's going to happen where s- there's going to be s- someone, and to me, by midseason,
1: I, it might yeah, even be. It 40. could be
0: three. Yeah, but, but to, start to start
1: off, start week one, it will be four. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. So I went ahead. The question is out there. Hey, could you bring them up mm-hmm. because my mouth? Absolutely, I will bring
0: them up, like and you I'll will. You'll you'll read them, so I can make fun of how you. That you won't ma- Whoa!
1: mess up people's names. So here we go. All right. Kathy Ford says four. George says four. Mark Malone, five. Woo! I clicked yeah, the one, that didn't go away. Oh, it,
0: because it's jumping. Everyone's yeah, hopping jumping. in here with these answers.
1: Thomas Riley says three. Steel Dog 88, four. Brian Brown, all five. Steeler Chick 46, three. Harvey Stone, four. Sean Manahan, four. Charmingly Sophisticated S, three. Richard Adamson says three. BF Bud says four.
0: Nope, that one doesn't uh, count. Wet,
1: uh, nope, uh, no nope.
0: positions, no words. got to yeah. have just a number. Okay. You okay. could say it. Wes said three.
1: There we go. Wes said, yep, <laughs> Wes, Wes Hickok said three. Yeah. Um, Great one, oh, three says four. Uh, John McComb says three.
0: Yep, and there might be more pop up here to yep. go. The, Sorry, the, man, that was nothing personal. I, if I, I would have brought it up and just said it, but Rich was reading them, so that was just me being weird about it. Um, uh, yeah. no one uh, said two or no one, one or zero. Two.
1: Yep, yeah, um, you know, uh, the consensus seemed four. I, I think four is the safe bet. Nope, um. Cherry Richards says four, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think four is, like I said, it's the the safe bet that the Steelers, Mm -hmm. it's where I, it's kind of like what I was saying at the beginning, the Steelers are going to look to upgrade, okay, they may think they might be able to upgrade two, but that upgrading of two may turn into just being to upgrade one to start the season,
0: Mm Mm-hmm yeah and and honestly, it could even be one of those situations where an injury forces something. I just so people know this is me going off of pro football reference. I love their stats. I get my stats from there. The only time I even go to pro football focus is when it's for something different that I just can't get at PFR because PFR is to me is the gold standard of of gathering statistics. But one of the things they have there is historic starting lineups. how many how many offensive linemen? From 2021, were then starters in 2022.
1: Do you guys know? Um, Are we just talking in general, overall?
0: Just, the- just in from 2021, how many of those were starters in 2022? Well, you already know two of them weren't because right. Cole oh, we're, and Daniels okay. were
1: new, oh, right? Yeah. But we're talking we're talking the Steelers offensive line, not yeah the- Steelers offensive line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: So, one, who started? One. Okay. It was three. Dan Moore Jr. was the left tackle. Chooks okay. was the right tackle. And although he don't, didn't start all season because he gets injured, Kevin Dotson started the most games at left guard. Hmm. So, they kept three of the same five from the previous year. So... To me, you know, you there, upgrade too, West, yep, West, West, yeah.
1: West redid his three without the without the positions. Yep. And then um, we got
0: another one there. I got it.
1: Yep. You got it. Tyler okay. W also came in with a three.
0: And we got one more down here.
1: And then Bart Mackey says four.
0: Yeah. Mm. So yeah.
1: So I'm
0: um, I'm man, I can't believe I made it the whole show.
1: you um. didn't do too bad. <laughs> yeah. But, we also didn't let you talk quite as much.
0: But no, you guys really helped me out so, so much. To me, I I think the ideal situation for the Steelers, even if it's five to start the season, by the end of the season, then it might even be something like three. Yeah. You know, or that's not the ideal situation. Even more ideal situation is that it starts off with five. And the answer at the end is either four or five because the ones that were the bottom guys took those huge jumps and got it together, and you're like, whoa. To me, the more important thing is to say, you know, the Steelers basically went from one of, if not the worst offensive line ranked in 2021 to middle of the road in 2022. Let's see them get towards the top in 2023. Whatever it takes to get there, I think it's going to be a key thing. So... um I always let Rich finish it off. So, Dan, you want anything you want to say? You want to, you know, uh, let know, let people know where you're at, where they can find you um, and all that good stuff and give any kind of final thoughts?
2: Yeah, yeah. You can find me on Saturday. I do an audio podcast only for the Steel Curtain Network. Um, check it out anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, it's going to be titled State of the Steelers. I'm also on YouTube, separate from um, here at State of the Steelers. Uh, check us out. Check me out. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking Steelers. It was, it was great.
0: Yeah. We really appreciate you helping me out here tonight. All right. <coughs> oh, <man. laughs> I almost made it. Dude. I almost made it.
1: No, no. So. <laughs> Just, okay. Dave is going to sign off no, no. and I'm going to take us out. So, um, Hey, you know, Steeler, Steeler fans, um, you know, the good thing about the Super Bowl happening the other day is really now that there's not football to talk about that is football that doesn't involve the Steelers. So that part's done. So we are now moving forward where pretty much all our talk is going to be about the Steelers, what they're doing in the off-season. Let the off-season begin. Uh, you know, everybody knows there's parts of the off-season I hate pop drafts. And um <laughs> But things that I really do love are, you know, I love free agency. I love the actual draft weekend. Um, I like to see, as I like to say, the chess pieces getting moved around the board. You know, this is the time of year then where, where next season's roster, we see it start to take shape. We don't know exactly what the plan is right now. But we know there probably is a plan, but we start to be able to get a better picture of that plan as the pieces start to move. And, you know, those pieces getting going, getting starting to move, can't wait.